episode 98 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm sitting here with Jason Farky Farkas. Uh, no Sean Z tonight. He's too busy rubbing elbows with the big wigs of Smuckers. Uh, but Farky, it's just me and you tonight as we get ready for week eight of the fantasy football season. How's uh, First off, how's it going in League from the Ville? How'd you do last week? League from the Ville was rough. I, I lost um, to a very winnable game against our, our buddy Rue, my dynasty league partner. Uh, did not get any points out of uh, Chris Thompson, so that was a zero for me. However, it, it first thought when I looked at it on Monday morning, I thought, damn it, I got too drunk at the Browns game and made a mistake and didn't take him out. But then I remembered I had no Carlos Hyde to play either. I literally did not have someone else to play, so I was crossing my fingers until game time, and then they came out with the report he wasn't playing. So that was uh, – obviously, I had other issues if only scored 88 points, but in a nutshell, that was my loss. Yeah, you can't – unfortunately, sometimes you can't ask for the mulligan there uh, when you just don't have anybody else on your bench. It happens. Uh, I, I beat the Monday Night Man very unexpectedly. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went off. Trey Burton had a huge game. So that went well for me, uh, and it also helped that his squad didn't put up many numbers either. But uh, wheeling and dealing a league from the Ville, I actually blew my free agent budget on one Kenyon Barner this week. Uh, Patriots running back taking over Sony Michelle. We'll talk about him later on in this episode, I'm sure. Uh, really like him as a start this week against Buffalo, just because Buffalo's got awful, and I think the Pats taking another lead on him. But uh, I was in desperate, uh, desperate times this week. At running back with Leonard Fournette still out with that vaginal injury that he has. Uh, and then I was uh, Austin Eckler on my bye, or on a bye this week. And then uh, Derek Henry's on a bye, but I would never want to start him anyways. So uh, going with Kenyon Barner this week, and we'll we'll see how that goes. It's uh, not not the best roller coaster to be on. I'm kind of a little bit afraid, a little bit afraid, but we'll see. Yeah, but Thrive Plus has worked its way back up to uh... – Plus 500 record. Thrive Plus is sitting at 4-3. and three. Um, Unfortunately, everybody that had a 3-3 three and three record last week won, so I did not move up from ninth place. But things are looking up for Thrive Plus. I'm, uh, I think my team's finally starting to gel. And maybe somehow, some way, if I can get Fournette back. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes has really uh, kept me in it. Uh, my, my Devontae Adams trade did not work out very well for me. I traded him for Brandon Cooks and Austin Eckler. But, uh, you know, as long as Brandon Cooks and Golden Tate can keep it going, I do have a shot at a, at a playoff. And just just get me get me into the playoffs, and we'll see how it goes. You never know once you get into the tourney. That's that's always got to be the first goal, get right. in the playoffs. <laughs> it, two, two points to make on the bill from the league is our partner, Sean Z, him and I, who are battling for last place in the league. Um, I did pass him for last, so right now, update, Chill is winning that bet against him in, in the Zebros. Um, we are both 1-6, and, and because of my horrendous point output, I am now 9 points behind him, tied at 1-6 for last place. Okay, alright, so we're looking forward to that, see how that ends up. If, if uh, Farky comes in last, then then Chill wins a few bucks, and uh, well, Deshaun Watson has made a great play to get out of uh, being sacked. We are recording on a Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night football is going on. It's seven to fourteen right now, midway through the second. Uh, Lamar Miller has scored a touchdown for the Texans, and Deshaun Watson's actually looking pretty good tonight. So hopefully he can uh, keep it going. But uh, we are going to talk about Week Eight of the NFL season. But first, there's a few topics that Farky and I wanted to discuss real quick that happened in Week Seven, and then just more of a hypothetical. What do you think about this guy's value versus the other guy's value? But first thing, the major thing that happened, Farky, uh, this happened last week. Amari Cooper traded for a first-round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. 
I released our first ever NEG Pod roundtable, which was basically our uh, unedited text message chain. Uh, immediately after it was released, that Amari Cooper went to the, the Cowboys for a first round pick. So um, you actually were not part of the roundtable. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on on that trade. Well, I thought it was interesting because the roundtable was certainly uh, pro Oakland with that deal. They uh, most of our buddies and everyone on it didn't think that it had any really value for the Cowboys, especially with the contract terms and uh, you know his production the last couple of years. I don't disagree with it from a contract standpoint. Yeah, they're going to end up paying him a ton of money, and you threw some figures on here. Looks like. He's going to be, you know, six-paid highest wide receiver, just under 14 million when he comes up to that fifth-year extension. And you know, we were kind of projected maybe Sammy Watkins contract number 16 million a year, so three years, 48, 30 guaranteed, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, I, I certainly don't think he has supported that. Where I kind of didn't agree with how bad it was is the first-round pick. So I don't disagree that he's down this year and. You know, last year definitely wasn't what his first two years were, but let me throw some numbers at you. So these are the last three years, the first round wide receivers that were taken. Okay. DJ Moore, 24, Calvin Ridley, 26, Corey Davis, five, Mike Williams, seven, John Ross, nine, Corey Coleman, 15, Will Fuller, 21, Josh Doxson, 22, Laquan Treadwell, 23. So out of all of those guys, do you think Amari Cooper with what he's done so far warrants being drafted above them? Yeah, I mean, I think production-wise in a vacuum, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, okay. so sure, yeah. Do you do you see somebody that blows your mind that you would say in next year's draft, I wouldn't draft Amari Cooper in the first round. I would draft this wide receiver over Amari Cooper because I think he'll have two straight thousand-yard receiving seasons to start his career. You're the college guy. You're the college guy, so you tell me. <laughs> I no no, but I I mean there's always going to be someone that we think is going to be, you know, a stud. Alabama's got two guys who frankly don't even have the numbers because they just throw all over the field yeah. that are probably going to be studs. But here's here's my point and then I'll let you give you some feedback on what you think is contract dollars aside, everyone is complaining about the first round pick. Why is he not worth a first-round pick with what he's done and what we've seen these other first-round wide receivers produce in the last three years? I just think, well, I think it solely comes down to money. I think that part of the reason why a guy's a first-round pick is because you control him for five years at a decent cost. You're essentially, and that's why a lot of people gave the Rams flack for signing, for trading for Brandon Cooks, because they had to immediately pay him $8 million and then know they had to sign him to an extension. So... Say it doesn't work out with Amari Cooper, and he, you're paying him 14. I mean, he's no matter what, he's getting that 14 million dollars next year for the fifth year extension. But say it doesn't work out after that, you gave up a pick that's probably going to be pick 14 to pick 20, maybe best case scenario 20, because this team is not winning the Super Bowl or going deep in the playoffs, um, unless Amari Cooper turns into you know Michael Irvin in his prime. So. I guess it's it's more you're giving up the flexibility of a low-cost rookie with the fifth-year option, which is a huge reason why guy you know when I, you know when a team moves up for a quarterback into the end of the first round, huge reason why is so they can use that fifth-year option. I think the fact that you're you're giving that up for one year of Amari Cooper under your control is just not a good business decision. Now on the field, he right away becomes their most talented wide receiver. 
obviously the last two years in Oakland have been, or last year and a half, year and a half have been a, a struggle and a challenge. I mean, we look at his numbers so far. Week one, he had one catch for nine yards. Week two, ten catches for 116 yards. Week three, two for 17. Week four, eight for 128 and one and a touchdown. Um, week five, one catch, ten yards. Week six, zero catches on one target. So the fact that he disappears so much is a huge concern to me. I don't understand why after a guy who had 2,000-plus-yard seasons to start his career then turns into this bipolar player who can put up numbers one day and then be you know, a shade of his former self the next day. So that's really my concern. Talent-wise, it's there. Production-wise, I'm not sure. Here's my flip on that, and it's why we're not going to really know until he starts playing with the Cowboys. But uh, I think we all agree that John Gruden's not – the genius that everyone has made him out to be, and certainly not what Oakland has invested their entire franchise in. He, Amari Cooper, is averaging, where's, where's my number here, 5.33 targets per game this year. Okay, that's down from eight and a half or so his first couple years and then seven last year. Obviously, that's a product of John Gruden. So all I'm saying is let's see maybe what he does with the Cowboys. I think it's just yeah. a bad fit, and it's obviously been a train wreck to start the year. Yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously it's not – actually, I think Gruden's trying to clear house of stuff he doesn't want. And so we mentioned Khalil Mack, and, and really the reason why they traded him was because they – Mark Davis just simply could not afford to pay him the 20 million a year that he got. Maybe that's the case. Maybe Gruden said, hey, I would rather build around these young players as opposed to paying – you know, this guy a monster contract. Same thing with Mari Cooper. Maybe Gruden saw last year, okay, Cooper's hit or miss. I don't want to pay him $16, $17 million a year. Let me get a first-round pick. I think we really want to take a look at what Gruden does with the Raiders starting in 2019 and beyond. Um, but what he's doing now, rolling with an iron fist, is really going to piss off all the the veterans that are currently in that locker room. So it's uh it'll be it'll be fun to watch that team and and I think it's you know it's going to be a, a running joke on our our text chain on the the absolute dumpster fire it turns into for at least the next 12 months. But I would like to see how it all plays out. Now, when it comes to Amari Cooper for the rest of the season, you know, we're talking what he does in Dallas the rest of the year. I mean, what do you think his fantasy production looks like for for the the next 8 8 or so games the Cowboys have? I think he turns into a, a wide receiver too. Okay. I, I a mid wide receiver too, not not top wide receiver too, mid wide receiver too. I'm thinking a guy that you could count on for, you know, eleven, twelve points maybe. Um, I think people would be happy with that. I think Dallas would be happy with those numbers. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't think you can count on him as a wide receiver. One, do you disagree? No, I don't. I actually think that uh, in Week 9, he is practicing right now with the Cowboys over their bye. Week 9 is the first game back against the Titans. Titans have a pretty good pass defense. I'm probably not starting him Week 9. I would like to see what he does with the Cowboys offense, how he plays, how he fits with them. You know, Is, is he up to speed right away? Is he, What's his snap count look like? Is he playing 50% of the snaps? Is he playing 95% of the snaps? I'd like to see that. And then he's going to play the Eagles and the Falcons in Week 10 and 11. Week 10, maybe 11, is probably going to be when I target that wide receiver 2 production. And I just think he is a solid wide receiver 2, and that's probably, I don't want to say it's his ceiling because he's still only 24 years old, but that's kind of what I project him. You know, I'm I'm in lockstep with you for the rest of the season. I think his ceiling is wide receiver 2. I think realistically, because... Dak isn't the most accurate quarterback. Scott Linehan's play call in Dallas is just subpar. 
I think maybe we're looking at closer to a wide receiver three. Um, but, you know, that's splitting hairs. I don't think it's a, it's a huge drop-off from what you're saying to what I'm saying. So, will he be a starter? Sure. Is he going to be the the, the three the top three-round pick that you took him at in the summer? Nah, I don't think so, unfortunately. But he should have some... Uh, I, I, and also, too, Dallas will be more competitive than Oakland. So, that, that should boost his value as well because it won't be blowout losses or it just won't be games where teams are disinterested. So, I think that's important as well. Um, but the other thing, Farky, I want to talk about before we dive into the week eight conversation, you know, we're getting to the point of the uh, trade deadline in fantasy football leagues. And in our dynasty league, um, you know, there's the teams that are the, the sellers and the buyers of the deadline. So dynasty is far more different than redraft. It's actually the second half of the season for a bad team kind of turns into a totally different ball game. And it actually can be a lot of fun if your squad stinks and you're trading off older veterans for younger talent. Um, our friend Reggie made a couple trades today, and we'll talk about those later on. But when I was talking to him about two players in particular, um, we had a really interesting discussion. I had this discussion with a few people as well. It was based around Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff. So my squad is a contender. I have Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, and Ben Roethlisberger. Pretty good for a 14-team league. He's got Aaron Rodgers. His team is not a contender. He's a seller at the deadline. We, I said to him straight up, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers for Jared Goff? And immediately he said, no, that's not a good deal. But then he kind of thought about it. He was like, okay, maybe that's not a bad deal. And I had the same exact conversation with a few other people. In the end, we did not make that trade. However, what are your thoughts on the long-term dynasty value between a guy like Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff? Well, I think first thing to consider is what's long-term dynasty. So the, the dynasty league we're in, I could see us playing it for 30 years until yeah, yes. we're in our 60s, 70s. So yeah. if that's the case, it's no question it's your golf. Uh, short-term being, let's say, let's call it six years because he's 34 years old, 41 puts him at Tom Brady age. Yeah. Is he going to produce like Tom Brady? Because he, he's produced as good, if not a little bit better than Tom Brady up until now, uh, you know, in age comparison. Is he going to do what Tom Brady does until 41? Probably not, just because of a couple things. One, his knee is starting to break down a little bit. He's had some some significant injuries the last couple of years. Um, I, it's nothing, certainly, that's been his fault. But then you also look at the coaching. Mm-hmm. Is Mike McCarthy going to be able to provide to him the consistency over the next six years that Bill Belichick has put into that franchise? Absolutely not. So... Uh, I, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't think it's completely one-sided, but I think if you're looking short-term as in six years, I think um, it, it could be competitive, but you know, any farther than that, no, Jared Goff's definitely the guy. Now, what if you're talking through the three-year window? Because we know that we know that each year Aaron Rodgers is the top five quarterback. He's going to throw 30-plus touchdowns, flirt with 4,000 yards, minimal interceptions. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's he's a top five stud. We know that. Now, Jared Goff with Sean McVay's offense and plenty of weapons around him, he could be a top five guy as well. So, you know, looking at three years down the line, do you think that still maybe possibly these two guys have similar uh, value? Yeah, I do. And I've been off a bit on, on Goff. Uh, his first year, I didn't think he was anywhere, you know, on the same planet as what Wentz was able to do just from, a, a, I think, an improvement standpoint. But now watching him the second half of last year, especially into this season, yeah, sure, he's loaded with weapons, no doubt about it. But 
Uh, he definitely has the arm strength. He's, he's a little more accurate than what I originally thought he was. Uh, he, he's made some, some pretty good throws and some pretty big-time games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty even here in that short-term three-year window. I think it's just a fun conversation to have because it is so close. And in the end, I still think for the next three years you're saying, all right, you got to give me a little bit more with – Jared Goff if you're going to get Aaron Rodgers because, and I think the big reason why is the Rams got a great running game. And we've seen the last two weeks, Jared Goff has been, two weeks ago he put up about eight points in the fantasy league because Todd Gurley ran wild. And then last week he put, you know, low 20s and it wasn't great. Whereas Aaron Rodgers is almost always going to score a couple touchdowns, put up 25 points a game at least. And that's kind of what you can come to expect from Aaron Rodgers week to week. Jared Goff can always have those those bust games a little bit, uh, where he does struggle. But uh, you know, long you know, the next two, three, four, five years, as Todd Gurley can't handle thirty touches a game, all of a sudden they might start relying on Jared Goff more. And the other thing too, I've been thinking about is is how long is Sean McVay going to be the coach for the the Los Angeles Rams? Obviously, as long as he's successful, he's going to he'll keep his job. But there's no guarantee that he's, his, he's not going to wear off, I guess, that all of a sudden his wonder kid genius skills are, are going to just simply not work like they used to. And I don't think that's going to be the case because I think he's going to uh, develop along with the NFL and change his ways as he has to. But it is, I guess, another thing you have to kind of keep in, in, concern, uh, in consideration because Jared Goff, I think, is a big product of his coaching, whereas Aaron Rodgers is a product of Aaron Rodgers. You can put anybody at head coach, and he's still going to put up top five numbers. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, especially with your first couple points there. And I think to summarize those, the, the simplest way to put it would be, at the end of the day, you're always going to have the volume with Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to risk not having it from week to week with Goff and mm-hmm. head coach. Yeah. Run game that they have. yeah. So just a fun conversation that I had last night. Um, my buddy Butler, who's been on the pod a few times. First off, congratulations to Butler. Had a kid a couple days ago, Milo Butler. Oh, nice. Welcome to the world. Um, it's been congratulations. Pre- it's been pretty funny. He's been very bored um, because there's really not a guy does. Uh, you know, the, the wife takes care of most of the work because you know she has boobs that produce milk, and the guy kind of sits there. And so he's been sending me a lot of trade <laughs> trade scenarios. Um, the past few weeks in the in the two different leagues that we're in, or the past few days. So, um, shout out to Milo, but um, Man, and he win he wins against you in that category too because now for the next fifteen years he can just give you shit about his son banging your daughter down the road. That's that's a good point. <laughs> it's like we went there. It's a good point. <laughs> oh, God. Make sure your wife listens to this. I'm, I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. Uh, that's still not as bad as uh, what what the Monday Night Man's girlfriend said to uh, to me. Man, we'll we'll talk about that offline because that's gonna that's a little bit rated R. But um, it was about my daughter, not about her. But anyways, um, all right. So week eight of the fantasy football season, we have the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Chargers, Atlanta Falcons, and Tennessee Titans all on a bye. And as I mentioned, we're currently recording during the Brock Osweiler revenge game. The uh, Thursday night football game is the Dolphins. Heading to Tex to Dal- uh, to Houston, Jesus Christ, to play the Texans. Currently fourteen to ten, the midway through the second half. Uh, one t- player I'd talk about real quick here is Lamar Miller. I, I felt like he was going to have a big game because uh, the Dolphins just got gashed last week by Carryon Johnson for about one hundred and sixty yards on the ground. Lamar Miller's got over fifty yards in the first half and a touchdown. So if you stuck with Lamar Miller, you're going to be getting close to twenty points tonight. Um, but 
you know, we, we can talk about this game all we want. It's going to – we'll look like idiots because we'll probably be wrong. So let's talk about well, games that are happening what I was, What I was going to say is we could, you know, change all of our comments if we were thinking about this game and be dead on with everything. <laughs> I think Lamar Miller is going to rush for 119 yards and have two ca- – yeah, no. Well, I, I, Burris is having a hard enough time getting the college football plot up, so I don't think he'd want to edit all the, uh, the different comments we have of all the different scenarios. But let's talk about Sunday. Uh, first game, 9.30 start. In London, Eagles versus the Jaguars. You know, I actually forgot about last week's Sunday uh, Sunday morning game until I was scrolling on Twitter at eight thirty, and then was reminded of it. So uh, we're at that time of the year where the NFL is is trying to uh, make a case to have a team in London. Jacksonville Jaguars go there every year, and oddly enough, uh, the head, the the owner Khan. Uh, took out his bid to uh, to buy one of the stadiums there. So it seems like he was ready to move them there full-time. But uh, the Eagles are playing the Jags. One guy who's been fantastic for the Eagles is Jalen Rams. I'm sorry, um, Alshon Jeffrey the past few weeks, as he's, now he's, that he's fully recovered from that, that shoulder surgery. He's been a top-10 wide receiver the last few weeks. Can he continue that this week against Jalen Ramsey? I'd, I'd put him as a wide ride receiver too this week against Jalen Rams. I think there's only a handful of guys, maybe five or six in the league, that could be still automatic wide receiver one plays. Uh, I think he'll still be productive. These last four weeks, he's been awesome. He's been top five in targets. He had that one down game. Um, but but I still think that they'll target him enough, and he is talented enough that it, you're safe as a wide receiver too with him. Yeah, I think he'll get the volume there. I mean, obviously the tight ends, uh, both uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, continue to be target hogs, but Alshon Jeffrey has become the alpha dog wide receiver one. Nelson Aguilar has really struggled to, to repeat his last season's success. So Wentz is going to continue to to key in on on Alshon. Uh, I like him as a wide receiver too. His upside as that top five wide receiver this week is obviously uh, – Bring it down a notch just because of the Jalen Ramsey. Uh, we'll probably he'll probably be blanketing him all, all game. So, um, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not as bullish as I have been on him in the past, but I do think that he's ob- an obvious start for you this week. Are there any other guys or any other players that you keep an eye on in this game? Just the two running back dynamics on both sides between Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement. I think they're both low flex plays. Can't trust either one of those just because they have been split pretty evenly, and then. You know, of course, Carlos Hyde going over there, who I said screwed me last week, not being active. Him and uh, him and uh, TJ Yeldon. Uh, Yeldon leads the team wide receiver touchdown, so you still have some hope there with him. But they they do have Hyde active. I think they are going to use him a bit, um, so he's you know could talk carries away from Yeldon, especially inside the five yard line mm-hmm. in the red zone. Yeah, and that we didn't really get a chance to talk about that Carlos Hyde trade. Um, Kind of a shocker. I didn't really expect that to happen. I thought that the the, the Browns would ride with with um, with Carlos Hyde and not give Chubb the the, the starting role right away. Uh, what do you think that means for the long term prospects of Leonard Fournette? I think they're worried about his health, no doubt about it. Just we talked about him having some injuries, being banged up at LSU, and then it's now carried over the first two seasons of his of his pro career. So mm-hmm. I think that's as simple as it is, is he's, they're just worried about his long-term health. Now, I wonder, though, you know, you can get out of that contract by cutting him after this year. Um, uh, Hyde, that is, not, not Fournette. So I don't think it's necessarily something long-term, but I think it, it it's the balance of this season. I mean, they lost Corey Grant. Uh, TJ Yeldon's banged up. He's got an ankle injury. So 
I think they realize we need a solid option behind Fournette because we can't rely on him. And and unfortunately, that's the case. The guy's played about four quarters worth of football so far this year, and we're eight weeks into the season, and it sounds like he's going to be out until week 10, uh, which for, for geniuses that drafted him 11th overall in the fantasy league, that's that's not good. Um, hand up on that one. So, you know, it's going to be a, a touch-and-go situation. I think once Fournette is back, you know – Hyde's still going to get carries. He'll she still should get ten carries a game, even if Fournette's fully healthy. So, uh, Fournette owners, hey, how are you? Uh, sorry, he's going to take a bit of a hit. I think even when he is finally healthy, but I think they need a good running game in order to to kind of mask some of Blake Bortles' inefficiencies because that offense has been absolutely terrible. And they were great; uh, they were good last year back when when Fournette was healthy. So, I think it is very important to have a solid running game in Jacksonville. But uh, we have Baltimore Ravens heading to Cal- to Carolina. The Panthers, their running game really has not gotten going. Christian McCaffrey, I feel like, has struggled the past few weeks. Is this the week he finally, against a really tough Ravens defense, is he going to stay bottled up? Or do you think he'll get back to his running back one production? I don't think he's running back one production this week. I've got him run RB2, and uh, Rue and I have him in Dynasty, which I've mentioned before. Um, but he's still you know, hung around for us. This is just a bad week for him. It's a bad matchup. The Ravens are second in, in yards per scrimmage given up to running back. So I don't think things change in terms of his ground production this week. He's still going to get the, the air targets. And then in Cam, you and I actually talked about this earlier. He he hawks red zone touchdowns. So mm-hmm. vultures, of whatever that you want to use. It, <laughs> that's, that's the big thing for McCaffrey, and that's the frustrating thing for McCaffrey owners is once they get inside that 10-yard line, Man, they seem to favor Cam over McCaffrey, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing given McCaffrey's, uh, you know, volume this year and the fact they've they've really put a lot on his frame. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a concern this week. But moving forward, I think he's still back towards his normal production we've seen. See, I'd like to see them get him more involved in the passing game. We saw early on in the in the 2018 season that McCaffrey was getting a ton of touches. I think he got 13 catches one game. I'm pulling up his numbers right now. Uh, 14 catches in week two. Last week, he got six targets for six catches, which isn't bad. Eight targets for seven catches the week before. But I feel like with Cam being... Not a very accurate passer. They don't have a ton of wide receiver weapons, pass catching weapons. I don't understand why they're not getting McCaffrey more involved, and he's not getting ten plus targets a game. And and that's that. Those that's the the passing game is the, really the main reason why I felt he was an early second round, late first round pick this during this draft season. Um, and, and not seeing that volume in in the passing game has been frustrating. But you get frustrated a lot by by Harbaugh and the. Uh, the Ravens running game. Can, can we have a weekly 20, 20 to 30 seconds uh, Farky bitching about Alex Collins and Buck Allen? Well, there was there was hope in this past week because Collins had almost quadruple the number of carries that, that Buck Allen had. However, on the flip side, it was 11 carries. Buck <laughs> Allen had three. So we're trending in the right direction, John. Uh, unfortunately, it was a bad matchup. Saints actually have a fairly decent run defense it's your pass defense it's got awful um, so yeah the the volume if you want to call it volume has shifted over to Collins I'm curious to see what happens after this week yeah and and, and god I'm trying to move Alex Collins in a few dynasty leagues where I'm, I'm struggling um, and he just has absolutely no trade value right now which is frustrating but I'll hold on to him you know maybe maybe somehow some way he'll have some value for, uh, over the, the course of the season and into next year but I highly doubt it but 
Your Browns headed to Pittsburgh. Yet another heartbreaking loss for the Browns, which you were in attendance last week in Tampa. Sean was supposed to be on, but again, rubbing, rubbing elbows with the big wigs. So, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, to join your bitch session. But, you know, take it away with the Browns. It's, it was just the normal shit show. And, it, you know, I don't want to blame their performance because their, their coaching, Hugh Jackson, is by far the most horrendous part of that team, that franchise, well, other than the ownership. But, again, they get a call that they get screwed on by the NFL where after the fact, after the game ends, it's they come out and publicize it was the wrong call. It should have been a helmet-to-helmet hit on Baker Mayfield. And it's just week after week, which is, you know, standard for for Cleveland Browns fans. We're used to it by now, but it's <laughs> it's getting really old this year. The frustrating thing for me with this game in particular is this was just a just a perfect scenario. I know they're still playing on the road, but to go down, play in warm weather um, against a team that has been terrible, terrible on defense this year. Granted, uh, you know, from a I guess a production standpoint uh, Baker was pretty good, and I actually had him in fantasy league with Philip Rivers. Started Philip Rivers, he outscored him by one point, um, but he still played well. He still had two to one touchdown interception ratio, threw for a fair number of yards, and had high completion percentage. But it's it's still the play calling, the situational calling. Um, the defense was okay, I guess. Um, you know, twenty three points isn't awful. They did put some pressure on Winston. Uh, but I just thought this was really a tailor-made spot for them to go down and get back on track as they head into this Pittsburgh game. And on the flip side, what happens is it's a fiasco again. And now everyone's pissed off at the coaches. They've got, you know, internal issues with, with how things have gone. Started out with a lot of hope this season. And now i got to say, we're going to go into Pittsburgh, and I really think we're going to get absolutely rolled. <laughs> Speaking of rolled, Brock Osweiler just uh, looks like, you know, I don't know if they're going to call this a fumble or a forward pass, but he got lit up and the Texans returned it for a touchdown. Just Brock being Brock. Oh, that's a weird-looking play. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm obviously always on the, the Browns text chain, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch the Browns game itself, but I understood what was going on because of uh, your reactions not good in Cleveland uh, after a season that looked like it was going to start off uh, with some promise, maybe a six and ten, eight and eight season. It's slowly but surely turning into a mitigated disaster. I think we both have to agree Hugh has to go. I can't believe he still has a job this far into the season. It's frustrating because I think the hope was if he was going to go, it was going to be early off some, you know, a bad start, which. Clearly, we had a lot of momentum that we were carrying into the middle part of the season now. And so he bought himself some time. And now instead of, you know, making a positive change that could have helped us actually have a, a salvageable season, now we're going to run into the middle of the season where we're still going to be having these types of losses. And it's just snowballing at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, he has to go. Yeah. So let's talk about this game. Are you, <laughs> if you got the Steelers players, are you starting everybody? <laughs> Definitely starting James Connors and Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, no doubt about that. And Juju. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Juju. And, he, yeah, and Vance I McDonald. Just, and uh, James Washington. And, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. We all know how Roethlisberger at home is, is yeah. the Hall of Fame first ballot Roethlisberger. Right. So that's the first concern. We won't even waste any time on him. My, my biggest concern is 
with Baker, and it's it's not necessarily anything personal on Baker. It's just it's a culmination of the way that offensive line is blocked and the fact over the last three weeks or so the Steelers have been one of the best pass-rushing defenses in the league. Um, I think they're second in sacks per game right now. So um, I, I'm glad that we have someone like Baker Mayfield, who I think at least will put us in the best position possible to avoid some of that pressure and make some still some fairly accurate throws. However, you know, any quarterback put in that situation throughout an entire game with playing the Steelers at home is going to cause some problems and disruptions. So that's where I think we're going to be in big trouble is, is the pressure. Now, what about, you know, if, if Baker can get away from the pressure, though, how do you feel about the pass catching, the pass catchers in, in Cleveland? With Njoku, Jarvis Landry, maybe Antonio Callaway. The Steelers have been a very leaky secondary. They've been they've allowed a lot of points. I mean, obviously you're starting Jarvis Landry each week, but is Njoku a starter this week for you? Yeah, I think those guys are both starters because, and again, everything's going to be put on Baker because he's going to get the pressure. But to your point, you know, if you can avoid that pressure, their secondary is garbage. So um, I like this situation he can put us in if he's able to avoid it and you start Jarvis Landry and Njoku, yes. And Nick Chubb, obviously starting running back for the Browns, uh, is a must-start this week as well, I think. And, you know, with Duke Johnson, I – I expected more volume from him last week with with Ivory or um, Hyde gone. He's so hard to trust. You you can't start him. But I think Nick Chubb has RB two value with touchdown upside. Um, he won't catch many balls, but he he's thrust into a starting spot. And if you're somehow able to maybe target him in trades, I definitely say go after it. Though that window might have closed by now. However, you know use the excuse while well, the Browns suck. Why do you want a running back from that team? You might be able to get him at a discount. I don't know. That's what I've I've always used that uh, that sales tactic before, and it's worked sometimes in trades. But uh, yeah, I think this is unfortunately going to be a tough game for the Browns. At this point, I don't put any confidence in this coaching staff. But anyone worth a damn would know that, given this this defensive pressure that they're going to see, you have to try to establish some sort of running game. So you'd hope that Chubb would have some sort of volume. Yeah, well, the volume will the production be there? Time will tell. All right, so Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos stink. The Chiefs are great, but Royce Freeman probably out with a sprained ankle. We've seen Philip Lindsay be a solid RB2. Is this a week maybe he could see RB1 uh, production, Farky? Yeah, I think there's a shot here. Um, he's, he's another guy I think that's overachieved this year. And he, When I watch Denver each week, he's a guy that I say, why isn't he getting more touches? Mm-hmm. You know, why Royce Freeman has still been involved, and I know he's questionable or maybe even will turn into doubtful for this game, but um, Lindsey's had double-digit scoring in all of his full games that he's played. Yeah. So, you know, why continue to take away with, from that, especially when you're on a team that even though we say they're not that good, they're still on the cusp of some of their defensive stars that they have to where, you know, they could be a sneaky 9-7 and seven type team if they make a commitment to someone like Lindsey. Whenever I see Lindsey play, he always passes the eye test too, and that's why it, sh- it shocks me. It's like, how did this guy go undrafted? He didn't even didn't even get invited to the combine. He only got was on the the Broncos radar because he went to school in Colorado. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. He's slippery. He's a good slippery player. He's fun to watch. You know, long term, we'll see how he plays out. But so far this season, he's been a really good story, and he's, and he's been fun to watch. So I really like him this week against the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, showtime as Monday Night Football called him 14 times uh, a minute in the last couple weeks. He's fun to watch. He's a must-start top five QB this week. 
then obviously you have your Chiefs specials players. I mean, Kareem Hunt's really turned around the past few weeks. He's he's turned back to the guy that we saw last year, and we had a lot of concerns heading into the first few weeks of the season because the production was not there. But the last few weeks, he's been back to that RB1. Is he going to continue to be an RB1 throughout the rest of the season? Just because of that offense, yeah. I think you have to play him as an RB1 because if, if, if they want to try to clamp down on someone like Kelsey or you know take Ty- Tyreek Hill out of a big play potential, then you know where do they go? They go to Kareem Hunt. They just have so many weapons. That's where it's a good thing and a bad thing because we talked about it two or three weeks ago. He wasn't getting the targets he was getting before. Well, it's because teams you know, weren't prepared for what this offense has really been. Mm-hmm. And I think now that they are, they're going to have to try to take away some of that that air attack that Mahomes is producing. And I think they do try to get back to hunt. It still blows my mind that they signed Sammy Watkins to that three-year $48 million deal. And he really has been, I don't want to say a, um, I don't know, he's not hes not a, he's a factor in the offense, obviously. He still is, is a player that they have to worry about, but he has not been productive whatsoever. And part of that's probably because of Kelsey getting a ton of targets and then Tyreek Hill obviously having huge plays. Mahomes getting the ball to um, to Kareem Hunt. But if you look at his past three weeks, I mean, six catches, 78 yards for Watkins, two for 18, four for 74. <laughs> Do you think the Chiefs are ever going to uh, regret signing signing Watkins to this deal? Yeah, I think they'll regret it, and I think he settles in as a, as a wide receiver three type guy. I don't think he's got he, – he certainly hasn't had the ceiling that other Kansas City offensive players have had. But mm-hmm. he's Like you said, he's established basically a safe floor. Yeah. Um, to play at a wide, wide receiver three level. He'll, he's still going to be involved every week, and especially if they focus on other guys, he's going to be somebody that Mahomes will shift to. So, yeah, I think he's settled into where he's going to be, and that's a pretty hefty contract for that position. <laughs> yeah, there's always an odd man out, and uh, he, he seems to be that guy more often than not. Uh, Jets at the Bears. Bears had a tough loss against my Patriots. Um, Trubisky threw a Hail Mary to Kevin White, and he caught the ball on the one-yard line and then got tackled to end the game. Uh, I was very happy with that. Uh, fantasy owners who, who invested in Kevin White four years ago were probably uh, – it was probably a bittersweet moment for them. But a guy who really struggled last week, only had one catch, did not look like himself, was Allen Robinson. Looked like he might have hurt his groin. Uh, he's flashed at times this season. We've talked about him a few times on the pod. Unfortunately, he really can't get it going, but a guy that can get it going and a guy that I was very bullish on last week and is only going to continue now is Tariq Cohen. Cohen continues to be the most electric offensive player on that team. Uh, He is turning into, I'm not going to say he's an RB1 yet, but he's turning into a guy who's an absolute must-start every single week. He He started the year off as... Uh, a bench guy, bench stash, maybe you play him on the bye week, but now he's turning to an every week starter, and that means Jordan Howard is taking a back seat. So, first off, tell me what you think about Treat Cohen, and then second, what, what do you think about the rest of the season for Jordan Howard? Well, I think we hit Cohen on the, uh, the nail on the head pretty well with him last week. We talked about, and, and Sean kind of led this discussion, was you know they're going to put Mitch Trubisky in a safe situation to be able to keep that offense moving down the field. So where's his safe situations as a quarterback? Tight end and, and running back. Yep. And what did Trey Burton do? He had his big breakout game. Um, finally finally had what he needed. We'll see if he keeps rolling with that because we were all expecting a lot. At least I was out of Trey Burton mm-hmm. in this season. Um, and then I think Cohen, he after three games, I mean, 
that's enough to where you can say it's a pattern. He's going to be a safe outlet for him. And if, if Cohen's going to continue to produce, and he has, he's, he's been a stud, um, they're going to continue to move away from Allen Robinson. He, Allen Robinson has to have a breakout game like Trey Burton has had in the last week. It's, I don't see it happening, especially like you said. When you tweak a hamstring, something like that, where you can nag, there's, that's not going to help any, right. anything that he's already in. So, hey, you've got, you have Cohen. Wonderful for, mm-hmm. for anyone that has him. Keep rolling with him, and I think Trey Burton is, is going to be you know a nice safety net for Mitch moving forward. Another running back that is uh, coming back from an injury, Elijah McGuire. You might remember him, Jets running back. He was uh, being touted as the next Ladanian Tomlinson, according to the Jets brass. Might be a little bit aggressive with that comparison, but he broke his foot in the preseason. He's back off the IR. He's practicing this week. Will be eligible to return week nine. But he will take over the role for Bilal Powell, who is on the IR with a neck injury. So if you are able to pick up Elijah McGuire, I highly suggest you do it just for the upside alone. Uh, we're getting to the point right now where running backs are getting banged up. If you can find a running back in your waiver wire, you definitely go for it. But uh, I like the Bears this week. Even though um, Khalil Mack looks like he's pretty banged up with an ankle injury, I still think the Bears' offense is is trying to – or I'm sorry, the, the Jets' offense is trying to figure themselves out. Uh, Sam Darnold obviously making rookie mistakes. He he's lost his number one receiver Quincy Nunwa. Uh, he lost Trell Pryor, though they just signed Rashard Matthews, who really is not a fantasy option right now. Javon Curse not a not a fantasy option, and they have uh, Herndon, the rookie tight end, who looks like he could be something, but again, nothing consistent. I think the Bears probably light up the Jets this week. I really like the Jet, the Bears, um, but well, I'm pretty sure is it Elijah McGuire is still sidelined this week. He is. He, Elijah McGuire is out this week. He'll be back next week. Yeah. So uh, He's, there he, you go. Swing for swing for out of the ballpark with Trenton Cannon if you can. <laughs> yes, the good good point. Uh, Cannon is going to be the uh, the third down back for the Jets, and obviously you have uh, Isaiah Crowell, who's been uh, up and down so far this season for the Jets as their starting running back. Uh, those are probably the only viable fantasy options. You really aren't uh, if you're if you're banking on the Jets, it's, it's a tough season for you. Let's put it that way. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at Detroit Lions. Carryon Johnson busted out for 19 carries, 158 yards in Miami last week. Do you think he keeps it up this week against the Seahawks? Seahawks have had a sneaky defense. They've had games where they've played really well. I I think you play him. I think I think he will be productive if they make a commitment to him. He got he got the touches. Um, you know, 21, I, I believe it was, or just over 20. Um, gosh, the look, Eric Blunt, remaining that goal line option, I hate that. Uh, yeah. For uh, for them. But, yeah, play Carrion Johnson. Now, they're calling it his breakout game, but he did have, what was it, like a, a mid-90s yardage output or even over 100? He was, he, was, he was the first player in, like, three years to rush for over 100 yards against the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. So, he, I mean, it's, it's nothing – that's just come out of nowhere with him. He's, no. He has shown flashes, and I think we've talked about that. Why are you not getting Kieran Johnson more involved at this point? After the whole, the, the whole fancy, the whole fancy football world is talking about that because Legarrette Blunt has been so mediocre, and Carrion has been dynamic, electric, great. I mean, he's been a really good player. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he he he's. Carryon Johnson's no secret he's good. It's just for some reason Matt Patricia continues to run a, a two-system backfield with LeGarrette Blunt, who is just he, he's he's not dynamic. He never has been, never will be, and he continues just to be a plotter. And, and it, it 
what do you think? It, doesn't it seem like they've kind of shifted to slow pace running game instead of you know letting Matt Stafford yeah. take the ball? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is is Matt Patricia coming in, and I think he obviously doesn't have. He's not calling the plays on offense. However, he has a hand in what they say. Jim Bob Cooter is still the the guy. But, yeah, it's not the days of Stafford chucking the ball 60 times a game, which, you know, when that was the case, then he had three or four receivers that were viable fantasy options each week. And now it's Golden Tate or Galladay or Marvin Jones. You kiss Marvin Jones goodbye. Yeah. Because even even though we're saying he's got to throw to somebody, it's not Marvin Jones. That dude's been like wide receiver 60 or lower the last three weeks, so it's not happening for Marvin Jones. He's been bad. But what else is bad is picking who's going to lead the Seahawks and carries each week. And that's another point that's close to your heart. We've talked about that a few times. All right, let's play roulette. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Chris Carson, Mike Davis, or is it going to be uh, Rashad Penny this week, Farkey? He still led the backfield with 14 touches. So (laughs) I would say it's a slightly minuscule better situation than what's in Baltimore because, you know, they are running the ball more than what Baltimore's doing at this point, at least the last couple weeks. But I I have to play Chris Carson in two weeks. So, I don't have a choice. I have to roll with him. Um, but for people that have better options, you know, on <laughs> do the it. bench or whatever, do it. Yeah. That would be my advice. You don't want to play that game. Uh, Doug Ballin back from that injury. Uh, he's, he struggled. Uh, to Two weeks ago, he had one catch, but last week had a solid game. I think he had like about 11 fantasy points. I like him this week against against the uh, the Lions. Tyler Lockett, hopefully he can find the end zone again. But a guy, David Moore, could be a little bit of a sleeper. He's been the third wide receiver taking over Brandon Marshall's role. Uh, I don't trust any of the tight ends in Seattle. So those three wide receivers, if, you know, David Moore is not a guy I suggest you start. But if you are in an absolute pinch and he's on the waiver wire, you can pick him up. He could be a wide receiver three flex option for you. My comment on their wide receivers would be if you have Doug Baldwin, have a little bit of confidence in him this week. The last two weeks he's played primarily out of the slot, so he's probably going to avoid primary coverage from Darius Clay this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not afraid of Doug Baldwin this week. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Cincinnati Bengals. I'll tell you what, Farkey, I love A.J. Green, and I love Tyler Boyd this week. And actually, I love just about anybody who plays for the Bengals except for Andy Dalton this week. Except Andy Dalton. Except Andy Dalton, yeah. He'll just, you know what he'll do? I I feel like Boyd will have one of those 10 catches, 100 yards. He might score a touchdown. A.J. Green might score a touchdown. But I feel like it's going to be more of a volume play for them. I just I don't trust in, uh, Andy Dalton. He's burned me the past few weeks. Uh, I benched Jameis Winston for him two weeks ago. That didn't work out very well for me. I, I played Dalton last week. That didn't work out very well for me. So it's not that it's not that I don't think Dalton has a thirty point game in him against the Bucks. I just don't trust him to do that. I do trust his receivers to get it done. I also trust Joe Mixon to have a big game. What are your well, thoughts here's on that? Here's a here's a scenario for you to, to consider that that I'm in. So, and any of you assholes that are in our league, if you hear this, don't pick up Andy Dalton just to believe <laughs> me after I make this comment. But I've got Philip Rivers on by, and I've got uh, Baker as my backup, and I am strongly considering picking up Andy Dalton to play over Baker Mayfield. Mm. What do you think? I mean, he's playing Tampa Bay. I think in in that scenario, I would definitely. Go with Andy Dalton, and not that I again I don't feel super super comfortable with him. But in this case, because it's a one week start, they're playing. You look at the numbers; they're playing Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is one of the historic uh, historically bad defense right now. I think it's probably a no brainer that you at least pick him up. 
It's just yeah, uh, and here's here's the way I look at it. Like I mentioned, Baker Mayfield had 27 points in our PPR league against this Tampa Bay defense last week. So if I can get 27 points out of Andy Dalton, picking him up for a one week plug in, I, I think I take that every week. Yeah, or or if you wanted to trade for Cam Newton, we could talk offline. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, um, let's talk about the Redskins and the Giants. Giants are tanking. They are trading everybody, everybody. How long until that powder keg in the wide receiver room just absolutely blows up because we have Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, and they have now been joined by Corey Coleman activated to the active roster. What are your thoughts on that? This is this is just so much fun to watch everything play out <laughs> with the Giants. It, 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 the best part, too, is hearing everyone continue to talk about Saquon Barkley being a generational talent. Uh yeah, when is Odell Beckham going to? We've already seen him kind of lose his shit. When is he going to totally lose it? Do you blame um, him though? Like the media always dogs him. I don't blame him. Eli Manning stinks. He can't get the ball downfield. The reason why Saquon Barkley is good at fantasy football is because he gets so many dump off passes. And yeah, he might break one every now and again, but he's a volume, a reception volume guy because that team is so bad. And they always use the excuse the offensive line stinks. No, the quarterback stinks. They should have taken a quarterback second overall. They should have taken Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Instead, they took Saquon Barkley, and that's going to hamstring him for years. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with any of that. And the problem that you have with Odell Beckham is he's obviously a selfish player. Now, you you listen to someone like Chris Carter talk. Uh, respect the hell out of Chris Carter. He'll say the wide receiver is the most selfish player on the team. Um, Especially if you're a top five wide receiver, maybe yeah. top three in the league, no doubt about it. Uh, it's not going to go away. To answer your original question, it's not going to go away, and I think it's going to happen sooner or later. Where this thing just absolutely implodes with Odell mm-hmm. Beckham, and right. uh, they're going to, you know, there's going to be a line drawn in the sand in the locker room. Of course, some people are going to defend Eli because of his longevity there, but at the same time, these guys want to win. They know Odell Beckham is the guy that's going to get them to win. So. You know, when are they going to make that commitment to Odell Beckham and cut this commitment loose from Eli Manning? Because he is. He's bad. We laughed last week about it. When you see him in the pocket now, it is just mm-hmm. utter chaos. Well, the problem is, pressure. The problem is they, don't, they don't have a backup option. They don't have another option. So either, either they have to start with a rookie next year or they might have to go with a free agent. And unfortunately, I don't know what really – I've taught my head, I don't know. There's probably no real good free agent quarterback on the market, but – you know that's a different uh, these, story. That's a different story. This for, was the year. This was the year. Yeah, right, right. right. Deep, season. deep quarterback class, exactly. But they, they got lost in the in the idea of of bringing in Saquon Barkley, which theoretically I get it, but it's <laughs> it not a, a good deep move. quarterback. Not only was it a deep quarterback class, but then you had all the free agent options too. You had Case Keenum, uh, Alex Smith. Uh, cousins, yeah. all of these guys. Well, then you, you had a deep running, and you had a deep running back class too. <laughs> they could have taken Nick Chubb in the second, uh, Darius Geis in the second. I mean, there's plenty, of, plenty of options they could have, they could have gone after. So, but let's talk about this week. Snacks Harrison, defensive tackle for the Giants, has been traded. I love Adrian Peterson this week just to have a vintage AP, 25 carry, 150 yards, two touchdown game. Tell me why I'm wrong. No, you're. Not wrong. Oh, I perfect. Agree with you. Like that. I like that. Because, because 100%. Paul Richardson banged up, probably going to miss this week. Um, 
what's his name? Jameson Crowder has not played the past two weeks. When he does play, he's not that good. Their offense is, right now, Adrian Peterson. And I love the idea of Adrian Peterson having a monster week this week. I'm going to be pl- playing him a lot in my uh, DraftKings this week. He he's just a monster. Uh, I picked him up in a few leagues, and it was one of the best moves I made this offseason because he's just been it's been fun to watch him. And I, I, he's got two more years in him. The guy's an absolute monster. 63 percent of the touchdowns scored against the Giants this year have been against running backs. So, yeah. So AP will bump that up to seventy this week. Um, all right, Indianapolis Colts versus Oakland Raiders. Uh, we mentioned Amari Cooper earlier in the in the podcast. Also, Marshawn Lynch on the IR with a groin injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. That means it's Jalen Rashard and Doug Martin. Do you trust either of those guys as an RB two? That's funny you brought this up because we were we were laughing about some trade options that were being sent out throughout our guys with uh, with um, Doug Martin just a couple days ago, and yeah. I I think it's. Zero Doug Martin. I think it's all Jalen Richards. So, mm-hmm. Richard. Uh, I think you can play him. I think he's a, definitely a safe flex play. Mm-hmm. Um, he's targeted on a third of his routes. Uh, that's it's got to be towards the top of the running backs in the league. I would think uh, at least six receptions in four games this season. Um, he's he's not a bad guy, especially if you're in a league with only maybe you know ten players or something. You got some guys guys on bye weeks or something pick him up and plug him in and flex actually funny story that's exactly what i did in the 10 team league so have you, have you been uh keeping tabs on my my browser history or what yeah kind of creepy man <laughs> must be why we both win championships <laughs> is steve on this on the podcast uh, no he's, he's uh, <laughs> sitting next to me give me thumbs up or thumbs down on my comments <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, I love that 12 other people will understand that joke. But that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Um, no, I agree. And also, too, the thing about Richard is we the Raiders stink. They're going to be terrible. And they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I don't think Doug Martin's the guy that he was a few years ago where he was catching 50, 60 balls. Uh, he's going to be more of, a, of an early down guy. Uh, and I don't I, – and I actually, I, I can't say he's going to be or not going to be dynamic because I haven't seen him play in about three years, it feels like. So uh, I do agree with you, though. If I had to have one person, I would prefer Richard over Doug Martin. Uh, I, I do like him as an RB2 this week with upside. I think he's going to catch a few balls. Uh, you know, he might see six to seven uh, catches the game. And I do think for the rest of the season, too, because Marshawn Lynch, the guy's 32 years old. He's no lock to come back from that groin injury, and especially in the fantasy season because he's on the IR for at least eight weeks. That means his, his fantasy season's all but done. So if you're able to pick up Jalen Richard, um, that's a good move for you. And even Doug Martin, just to pick him up just in case, isn't a bad idea. I just don't trust him as a starter. But another, we mentioned we, we we mentioned Amari Cooper too. So mm-hmm. what I was gonna say is, if you're someone like me who's just been vomiting all over Jared Cook this season, he now becomes the, the biggest wide receiver asset the Raiders have. So I that, think he's somebody that could bounce back. And another guy you've been vomiting all over is Jordy Nelson too. Does he have any upside? No, the guy's garbage. <laughs> Guy, like Sean said two or three weeks ago, he basically runs out of a tight end, tight end position, tight end routes. I. No, you I know. Tell but, me what you think of him. But well, I think he's not very good either. But because we're dogging him, he will have six for 120 and two touchdowns this weekend. Just just as a middle finger to us. That's what he did last time we talked. We talked shit about him. So yes, he has fewer fewer than 50 yards in six of the seven games. So whatever, you want, <laughs> whatever that's worth to you. Now speaking of injuries coming back, Jack Doyle's been practicing this week. Uh, Eric Ebron has been a uh, a bit of a. He's, he's had his. Uh, 
coming out party, if, if you want to put it. He's had his, uh, if, if you held on to him in Dynasty Leagues, as our friend Nick Verne did, uh, you are being rewarded for that patience because he is the number two, number three tight end in Fantasy Leagues. Jack Doyle coming back, being active. How does that impact uh, Eric Ebron moving forward? I think this is a time will tell week. Um, this will be the make or break. So I think he's a safe play this week. Um, they like Jack Doyle, mm-hmm. period. So yeah. he, they're going to they're going to get him back in the rotation. Uh, Ebron's been awesome for anyone that's had in the last yeah. three weeks or so. But yeah, I think he's safe play this week. I think you start to see his production slip after. I don't know how much run um, Doyle's going to get if he's if, if he's even active because he missed so much time and he's been I think he just started practicing on Tuesday or Wednesday, so uh, I don't know. You're right. I actually agree with you 100. I don't know if this is the week that you bench Ebron, but you kind of wait and see, and maybe week nine, week ten, you could see his production dip a little bit because Doyle is a target hog. He'll get seven targets a game, and if you have obviously throw that into the scenario, takes away from Ebron, he takes a hit. So. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, next game, this, this game will be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to this one. Green Bay Packers at Los Angeles Rams. We talked about the Rams a little bit early on. Uh, this is actually Aaron Rodgers' uh, the game he's been the biggest underdog in his hit, in the history of his career in the NFL. I think it's seven and a half points the, the Rams right. are favored by. Uh, what do you, What's your take on this game? What do you think Aaron Rodgers does? Who do you think wins it, actually? Is this the first game the Rams lose? No, I love the Rams. I, I think there's... Studs, McVeigh's awesome, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, he's a competitor. We know the Monday Night Man loves competitors, so this is this is that type of spot where Aaron Rodgers could go off. So, mm-hmm. do I think they cover the seven and a half? Probably. I think Aaron Rodgers has his best week of the season against an awesome Rams defense, just because they're going to have to 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 stay in this game. Uh, so that, Bang, banged up Rams defense though. I mean, their their secondary Talib's out. Uh, Marcus Peters is he's I think he's playing, but he's still not 100. percent They don't have a really he's good playing, pass rush. Yeah. I mean, they're still banged up. So th- are they good? Are they talented? Yeah, but they can't get to the quarterback unless Sue and uh, and Donald get through the the interior there. But they don't have a pass rush. But that's their biggest weakness. But you know they're still really really good and they get ahead of teams very easily. So they're able to scheme their defense that way too. I think, yeah, but I, I agree with all that. I, I think Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, and Jimmy Graham both are, are huge plays mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of huge play, Todd Gurley has scored more points than the whole Buffalo Bills offense combined. Your thoughts? <laughs> That's Todd. so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. So, so I was reading I was reading something this week of a player ranking. And uh, they had put Todd Gurley down on the low performers. It, it, it literally said, just seeing if anyone is paying attention and will ask me <laughs> if I should play him on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. This is called redemption for, for me washing Todd Gurley's balls two years ago. Redemption for what he's done the past two seasons. I don't have him in, in all but our Dynasty League, but it's still redemption. Okay. Um, two really good games, or two really good teams that are coming up. Uh, actually, well, let's, before we get to that, we have a really gross game that I don't want to spend any time on, so I'm just going to pass to it. San Francisco 49ers at Arizona Cardinals. Well, let me just do my, my standard comment. This okay. is the game that David Johnson breaks out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny joke. Uh, Rashid, eventually, i got to get it right. Don't eventually, I? eventually. And against the Niners, it might not be a bad idea. Their defense isn't great. they got Reuben Foster in the middle there. Eh, I mean, this should be the game, but it will... <laughs> 
if you're riding that, if you're playing that game, I, I feel bad for you because, gosh, David Johnson has been very, very frustrating this year. If you score a touchdown, it's like it's like the greatest thing that happened to your fantasy squad in a long time. But good you game. You can't trust George Kittle. Let's move on. Okay, there you go. Good game. That's going to be fun to watch. Rematch the NFC Championship from last year. New Orleans Saints headed to Minnesota. Over under for how many times they show the Stefan Diggs touchdown from last season? Nine. Nine? Ooh, okay. That's fair. I was going to go six. Six, and I was going to probably take the over on that. But nine, so nine's aggressive. I like that, though. But they are not going to shut up about that. Thank God this game is on on Monday night because Wit and Boog and Tess would just talk about that constantly. It's a Sunday night game. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels will talk about it here and there, but at least at least they know what they're doing, and at least they're good at their job, whereas the Monday Night Football crew sucks. But this is going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, Everson Griffin, the linebacker for the Vikings, who's been out for personal reasons, I don't know if he's going to be playing this week because he's been out for, I think, about four or five weeks now. Um, so the question is, is if Everson Griffin is out, what's the over-under in this game? 80 points, 82 points, 83 points? Man, 80's a lot. <laughs> Just not to be ridiculous, I'd say yeah. maybe 75. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be a fun game. I mean, really, if you have Adam Thielen, who's been unbelievable, seven straight, seven straight games with 100 yards receiving, which is just stupid to start the season. You're starting him, obviously. You're starting Stefan Diggs for the upside of having a 150-yard game because he has the talent to do it. Why he can't get it going, I'm really not too sure. I don't know if, if defenses are really focusing on him and leaving Adam Thielen you know, with softer coverage. I'm not sure. Uh, but Thielen versus Diggs is always a, a fun game to play. Kyle Rudolph needs to get going. He's been struggling weekly. Uh, Dalvin Cook out this week. He'll be out for the next few weeks. That means Latavius Murray starts. And, of course, you get Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Other side of the ball, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. But tell me about the running backs. Who do you like more this week? It's always hit or miss. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. Ooh, great question. Um, I'm going to lean towards Alvin Kamara. Uh, they didn't run the ball well against the Vikings last year. Um, neither one of them played real well, but I think just with Kamara's cast, sorry, catch passing ability. There you go. Um, you can lean a little bit more towards him, uh, but the Vikings haven't been that good against the run this year either. So. Um, We'll see. They're like, I know they're in the top 10 in yards allowed against mm-hmm. other backs. So um, if they get the ball going with uh, with Ingram, then maybe they won't even have to worry about you know getting passes over to Kamara. But I, I think overall you lean towards him. Now, I will give you a little bit of love because I've been doing it the last couple weeks on Adam Thielen. And I had mentioned that through six weeks, him and 1961 Charlie Hennigan are the only players to have six consecutive 100-yard games. Mm-hmm. Hennigan did it in week seven. And in week eight, he had 78 yards. So this is the week. This is the week. Adam Thielen could break the record. <laughs> okay, so other side of the ball, though, wide receiver Traquan Smith. What are your thoughts on him this week? Again, another one that uh, – I mean, this is. I guess this is another one of those swing for the fence that starts. Um, he's obviously, you know, got the, occupying the role that Ted Ginn had. Um I'm I, I'm not I'm not confident in him. No, okay. I'm, I'm not going to gantor on about it. No, I don't like Trayvon Smith. This That's week. fair. Ted Ginn on the IR. Uh, Cameron Meredith did not do much last week, so they're really looking for a wide receiver too in New Orleans. And personally, I have a few buys in a couple week in a couple games, so 
I am starting Traquan Smith as a wide receiver three. I think if, if he's going to do it, it's going to be this week. Obviously, he had a couple touchdowns in the record-breaking, uh, or he caught Drew Brees' record-breaking uh, touchdown when he, he had the total passing yards. But, uh, you know, I, I like Traquan Smith this week. I think he's going to have a good second half of the season because the opportunities will be there for him. Obviously, the two had a running attack. I think the Saints will be able to lull the defense to sleep a little bit, and that'll open things up for Michael Thomas and for Traquan Smith. Uh, and actually, so I was looking up uh, just stats today, and I didn't realize Traquan Smith is 6'2". I thought he was more of a smaller scat guy, but he's, he's a big receiver as well. So he's got the size. He's got the speed. Um, he's got a few games under his belt. I think he's going to turn into uh, a potential wide receiver three for the rest of the season this year. He could do that. I, I'll say this for him in this game, if you want a glimmer of hope. Trey Waynes sucks. He yeah. sticks. So if he could take advantage of maybe some deep ball opportunities against him, I think that's where you're going to score your points as opposed to you know 10 to 12-yard pass catches. Mm-hmm. Either way, this is going to be a very high-scoring game. It's going to be a fantasy, football's wet dream, a fantasy footballer's wet dream on Sunday night. So I uh, think it's going to be must-see TV. I'm looking forward to watching that game. Another what game. Is that, what, is Adam, what is Adam Thielen going to buy Stefan Diggs at the end of the season? Because I always have to get this <laughs> dig in, no pun intended. He always draws the toughest matchup on the perimeter. So what's he going to buy him? I mean, Stefan Diggs got more. He's got more money than Adam Thielen. So I, I think it's. Uh, I got no joke there. Uh, I'm just going to give up on that one. So let's move right. on. <laughs> yeah, to your Patriots. Yes, to my Patriots. I don't have a lot to talk about in this game. Patriots by infinity. Sony Michelle's out. Rob Gronkowski has been practicing. Uh, he was holding one of the, the, the pads today. Um, that the, Obviously, when they're doing their drills, he's holding a pad, getting hit. So that means that I think his back injury is looking better. Uh, he had back spasms heading into last week, kind of a surprise scratch, did not expect that. Uh, so I don't think it's anything major. I think that he plays this week. With that being said, they're playing the Bills, who we mentioned the Bills have scored less points than Todd Gurley. Um, they're going to be starting Derek Anderson at quarterback this week. If you have the Patriots defense, you start them. If you have Tom Brady, you start him, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Elliman, Josh Gordon. Hell, start Chris Hogan. Start them all. The one guy you're not starting is Sony Michelle, likely out this week with that knee injury. He went down with a scary knee injury last week, kind of got uh, spun up, and his knee got jerked a little bit. That means they bring in Kenyon Barner. He's the only healthy running back other than James White. He's going to get the early down carries. Is he going to be great? No. Again, I have a ton of buys in the league from the Ville. I'm starting Kenyon Barner. I'm expecting 15 carries, maybe 60, 70 yards, and I'm hoping for a touchdown. If he does more than that, I, f- I consider that just absolute gravy. On the Bills' side of the ball, <laughs> here's what I'll say. There isn't a player to start on the Buffalo Bills, no. and I'm dead serious. There yeah. is not a player to start on Buffalo Bills. And for any of the listeners that listen to us because they want to laugh at us and they think we're just full of shit, here's where we can gain some credibility. Go check out any other fantasy football outlet or platform that you want to look at, and there is no one that they're going to tell you to start for the Buffalo Bills. Nope. Nope, they are not good. I mean, the only person I think you can make a case for is LaShawn McCoy, and that's just by name name alone. He he had a concussion last week. Uh, he's been practicing, so he will play. Uh, but he's not going to be productive. I mean, they're, they're just going to stack the box against him and say, hey, Derek Anderson and Kelvin Benjamin beat us. And the Pagers' defense is not very good. Though, surprisingly enough, Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty are somehow, someway, the number one rated duo, according to Planet uh, uh, PFF, blows my mind because they've allowed so many big plays. 
But uh, that secondary is actually shoring up in New England, which, you know, is par for the course where it takes them until midseason. But, uh, yeah, this game, Patriots are favored by 14. I'm taking the Patriots all day. They're playing in Buffalo on Monday Night Football. It's it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it because I absolutely it, hate it, the Bills and Pinto run. And be careful with McCoy, all joking aside, because he may miss Monday night. And Chris Ivory's had two really productive weeks yep. the last two weeks. So sure thing. even if he does play, he's going to he could be a spot starter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so that's the Week 8 slate. Uh, before we close out this episode, we have a couple trades that went down in our leagues, and we want to talk about them real quick. As we mentioned, uh, Farkey and I are in a dynasty league together, and Reggie is in a complete rebuild, and he made a trade today, and boy, did that trade just ruffle some feathers. <laughs> he <laughs> gave up Melvin Gordon for Darius Geis and David Njoku. Wow. Um, he got younger. He got younger. I'll give him that. Uh, Farkey, I just simply put, don't think he got enough value for Melvin Gordon for a few reasons. Number one, it's not like Melvin Gordon is a 28, 29-year-old running back. And again, we're talking about dynasty here. He's been in the league for four years now. He still has plenty of tread left on his tires. He's a top five running back. He's a guy you can build upon. Meanwhile, he got damaged goods in Darius Geis, who's got a torn ACL. We don't know what he's going to be in Washington. And you can talk about David Njoku and how frustrating he is until he turned blue in the face. I think you agree with me that Reggie did not get enough value here. Though I don't think I think I let I see what he's doing, but he did not get enough value. How far off on a scale of one to ten do you think the value is between Melvin Gordon and Njoku and Darius Geis? I would say it's off by seven on a scale of one to ten. It's a rough trade for Reggie. <laughs> yeah, it, it, listen, Reggie's a really smart guy, one of, one of the smarter guys that I know uh, personally. So I, he he has to have some type of short-term scheme in this. Um, maybe it's Njoku. I haven't looked at his roster. Uh, we talked about Njoku last week that it's clear Baker Mayfield has you know, turned him into one of his favorite targets. He's been a, a well, going into last week, he was top 10 tight end. Um, but that's still kind of like how we went back to that trade where I traded Gronk for Carlos Hyde and Jordan Reed, and I right. needed the value in uh, in Carlos Hyde instead of what would offset with uh, with Jordan Reed. But we're talking about tight ends there. And I made the comment on last week's pod, too, that when I watch Melvin Gordon now, shame on me. I, I haven't really given him the credit he's deserved. Sure, he's yeah. He's been a workhorse, and he has produced. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty terrified of letting him loose. Yeah, and that was the hard part about it. I mean, again, if Njoku turns into and what I love about Dynasty is we can take a look at a trade in October of 2018, and we really won't know the end result until October of 2020. I mean, Njoku, he's got a ton of potential. He was a first round pick last year. He could be a he could be a top five tight end in the league if he's able to be consistent and be a red zone target for Baker Mayfield. Darius Geis, we just don't know what he is. He's an enigma. He tore his ACL. He's a great player in college. Slipped to the second round for attitude issues. So he's got he's got a ton of upside, but it's just it's it's scary. It's hard for me as a fan, as a dynasty owner to give up a top five running back like Melvin Gordon and get back no sure thing. You know what I'm saying? Like 
if you looked at the team that that Reggie traded with, they had Travis Kelsey on the on the roster. I think if 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 Reggie asked for a guy like Travis Kelsey with Darius Geis, no brainer. Great great trade for Reggie. He's happy. He walks with the tight end because he he was tight end was a struggle for him. He had Tyler Eifert and a, and a couple other guys who just weren't good. Um, so he really struggled at that position. But if he's able to walk away with a running back and a tight end that I felt comfortable with, or at least one guy I felt comfortable with, I would have really liked to trade for him. Because he walked away with two wild cards, I'm not going to say it's a loss yet by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're looking at today's dollars and today's value, I think the other team made out in that deal because uh, just them getting the sure thing in Melvin Gordon. Well, he's certainly not going to see the the short term, and we're talking short term in years because of Dynasty, uh, out of guys, uh, especially if, if way he's done a, a decent job um, and really you know how's he going to settle into that offensive rotation next year especially so I think obviously down the road um, the guys has potential but we know that Melvin Gordon is producing it now and to your point he's not very old so he's mm-hmm. probably has you know, three maybe even four more years of real strong productivity the will the one thing about Melvin Gordon is though the first two seasons he uh, finished both both uh, seasons on the IR Holy shit, DeAndre Hopkins made an amazing Odell Beckham S catch. Was on the end zone, but it was fantastic. Um, oh, they're calling a push off. Son of a bitch. Anyways, uh, Melvin Gordon started his first two seasons, finished the season on the IR. He does have a lot of tread in his tires because they don't use a ton of different running backs in San Diego or LA now. So I think maybe that could have been part of his um, thought process. Holy crap, DeAndre Hopkins caught the ball with one hand and then caught it underneath his leg and caught the ball between his legs. Unreal catch. If you're listening to this now, Google DeAndre Hopkins catch. It's a shame that this is going to be taken off for PI because it's an unreal catch. Um, so, anyways, we beat that uh, that trade to death. Another trade that I made today or a couple days ago that was uh, a, a pretty big one. I had Le'Veon Bell. My team's struggling in the league. That actually have uh, Lamar Miller playing tonight. He's playing well for me. I tr- I traded Le'Veon Bell. Originally, uh, the guy made an offer. He wanted to give me Sterling Shepard. I went back and I said, no, give me Juju Smith-Schuster, knowing that he was going to decline. Uh, came back and said, Tyler Boyd and Devin Funchess for Le'Veon Bell. It was an almost instant accept. I know you and Sean are both down on Le'Veon Bell. With this holdout nowhere close to being over, do you think I'm the winner of this deal, or do you think that I should have held out for more? Winner. I mean, what, what's Le'Veon Bell doing? He's doing nothing. nothing. He's not reporting, and they have no clue what he's doing. And when we all laughed about it. He showed up for the bye week. Why? He got paid like seven hundred thousand dollars. So would I. Right. But he's not reporting now, so he has no intention of, of probably making any progress with these guys. I think the question everyone's asking is, when is he going to land in Philly? Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh. Who knows? Either oh, when is he? Oh, I see what you're saying. Land in Philly, like for a trade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. No, for sure. Um, I've had a few people ask me. I my one buddy asked me if they should trade Jarvis Landry for Le'Veon Bell. I said absolutely not. I mean, to be honest, I would have taken Tyler Boyd or Devin Funchess just for Le'Veon Bell because, to your point, they're doing something. Le'Veon Bell isn't. Uh, the fact that I got both was was fantastic. I was I took that all day and uh, I was very happy with that. So, if you're able to move Le'Veon Bell for value solely on his name and just sell the shit that he's that he's coming back. Oh, he'll be back soon enough. Don't you worry. I highly suggest it. Even when he comes back, say it's week 10, 
he's not going to get going until week 12, week 13. And at that point, you use a first-round pick on this guy, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And we're in week eight now. This is the make-or-break week for fantasy football owners and and their teams. And you're a pretender, you're a contender. And if if you're hanging on to Le'Veon Bell stubbornly, you're going to be a pretender. It's just that's there's no ifs or buts about it. So, well, how how much are the 49ers hating their Jared McKinnon signing now? Well, I'm, I'm sure they're not happy. The good news is they're going to get out of that after uh, after this season. Yeah, they get they yeah. get out. I think uh, two million in dead cap space yeah, for next not, season, so and, they can easily afford Bell. And if if Jimmy Garoppolo were healthy right now, I bet you they would have made a trade for Bell. But uh, they're not going to invest in the team with C.J. Beathard at the, at the helm, unfortunately. So, the, and the, you know what though, the Eagles only have I think over like 11 million in cap space. So, um, going heading into next year, 49ers are definitely in a better position than the Eagles are. Yep, yep. And you know, a lot changes in, in the off season, so I, I always look forward to that because we can pontificate all we want about where he's going to go, and then all of a sudden a team comes out of nowhere, like how the hell did they figure that out? And then you look into their books, like oh, okay, that makes sense. So. That that's going to be a very interesting storyline this off season. And uh, but but for the 2018 season, trade him, trade him, trade him if you still can, because with each passing week, that window gets smaller and smaller, and the, what you're going to get back in return is just going to be peanuts in the next few weeks. And unless you want to get a guy like Keelan Cole back for for uh, for Le'Veon Bell, I say trade him this week because he's just his value is absolutely nowhere. So. Fark, anything else you got before we uh, close the Week 8 uh, preview episode? No, it's it's back to one of those weeks where um, I know heading into the game, the Browns are you know going to be somebody that I, I've got all the hope in the world for, but it's going to be back to the shit show. Mm. Everything's right in the world again. Simple as that. It's just the Browns stink again, and the Patriots are on the verge of making another Super Bowl. So I got my Red Sox. They're about to, to win the, the World Series here, knock on wood. Uh, shout out to, to uh, what's his moniker? Um, Who's that? Uh, the guy, oh, shit. Uh, Martin Cardinal, that's it. Martin, I don't want to say his real name. Shout out to Martin, uh, my fellow Red Sox believer. Shout out to young Daniel. The biggest Red Sox fan in Ohio. Uh, the Red Sox up 2-0 right now, looking absolutely dominant. Fourth fourth World Series ring coming to Boston. It's good to be a, a, a New England fan. But find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, Never Ending Glory Podcast on Facebook, SoundCloud. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Tell all your friends how good we are. Go to the Apple Store. And uh, make sure you go to all the sample phones and hit subscribe to the Never Ending Glory podcast on the app, um, the podcast app. You can check out our blog and website, www.negpodcast.com. We have articles coming out almost daily over there. Start or sit, play and fade, uh, waiver wires, all that good stuff. And, you know, feel free to shoot us an email at negpodcast at gmail.com with any questions you guys might have. I answer DMs on Twitter all the time. People hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, always asking starter sick questions. So we're happy to do that when we can. And then Farky's part of the college football podcast. You can find them on Twitter at NEGPodCFB. So uh, I just tooted there. Um, so I think that's a good way to close the episode. How about that? Wow. <laughs> Impressive. All right. Um, no Josh Allen, no matter what. We'd, we'd be remiss if we did not throw that out there for Sean Z. We would be. We would be. So, anyways, good luck everybody in your fantasy football matchups this week, and we will talk to you as we preview week nine of the fantasy football season.
Talk to you guys later. Good night.